the nativity scene from Joseph's point of view is a story of plans made and plans changed. It's a story of God making a grand announcement and Joseph responding to him with amazing obedience. Nativity scene from Joseph's point of view. Can you imagine what it would be like to raise God's son? Who would God choose to raise his boy? The Savior is born a miraculous birth. But an earthly father, an earthly dad, an earthly papa was chosen for God's son. And this is the nativity that Joseph saw. This is nativity scene from Joseph's perspective. Today we're going to look at the man that God would call to raise his boy. Today we're going to look at the man who would receive divine direction from God and say yes to it at every turn. Today we're going to see the nativity from Joseph's point of view. And I am so glad that you guys are here with us today. Whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Online, or at the tree or in Port Lavaca, we are so glad that you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it is my privilege each and every week and this week to open the Bible with you. And as we walk through the Christmas story today, I pray that God will provide some divine direction for you. And I pray that God would also give you the courage and the spirit to say yes to him at every turn, just like this man, Joseph, that we read about in Matthew chapter 1. If you brought your Bible, you can open up with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 18 through 25. In Matthew chapter 1, we see the story of Jesus' birth and its announcement to Joseph. And as we look at Joseph, I just have to be amazed that God used this man to raise his son. I have to be amazed at the fact that God would trust a man to raise his boy. I have to be amazed that a man with flesh and bones just like mine would raise God's son, God in human flesh. Why would God choose Joseph and what can we learn from him today? Let's discover that together. Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. The Messiah they had longed for, the Messiah they had prayed for, the Messiah they had looked for, the Savior of a nation, the Savior of a people, God's promise in flesh, the Messiah had come about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So Joseph had a plan. I'm going to marry Mary. I'm going to raise a family. I'm going to own a carpentry shop. I'm going to do life with this young girl, and we're going to raise a family together. This was his plan. And yet God had a different plan for him. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were here last week, you know the backstory there. God's miraculous gift to the world came through the Holy Spirit and Mary. But Joseph had a plan. And it wasn't to raise God's son, his plan to raise his son and to raise his oldest and maybe call him Joe. Maybe he was looking to raise a junior, but God had a plan for him to raise a boy that was junior to no one. Senior and Lord of all. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, verse 19. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph had a choice to make. His plan was changing. This virgin that he had pledged his life to is now pregnant. What would he do? As a righteous man, he was committed to the law, which gave him permission to punish her extremely for this pregnancy. But as a gentle man, he had the choice of mercy as well. I could shame her and divorce her publicly, or I could walk away quietly. Joseph had a choice to make. He couldn't ignore it. There was a choice that had to be made. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joyce, Joseph, Joseph? <laughs> Joseph had a choice to make. Would I be 100% like vengeant, vengeful? Would I take out my hurt and my pain and my confusion? Would I take that out on Mary? Or would I just divorce her quietly and walk away? As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, don't do either one. Because the one who's in her belly is from me. The one that is in her womb is the Messiah, is the Savior. And he will save his people from their sins. And as you hear that Christmas story that's also familiar, you would think that Joseph's choice just ends right there. That all of a sudden he would look and say, oh, great. Mary's not having a scandalous baby, though it will seem scandalous to some. I can trust her. She is trustworthy. God has given me his son. But think about this. Joseph is now raising the one that he knew would be God and be the Messiah and be the Savior. As Jesus would teach in his ministry, Joseph would learn that Jesus would have to go to the cross and die for us. So Joseph was not only raising the one that would be his senior, that would be his leader, that would be his Lord. But he was raising the one that would give his life for you and for me. That is a plan change of historic, eternal proportions. He's not going to pass down the family business to his oldest. He's not going to raise one and look forward to decades together. Because his son is born to be our savior. Verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Can you imagine that? You know from the very beginning that your son is God with us. You know from the very beginning that you've got that responsibility to raise the one who's Emmanuel. Joseph, this is nativity as he saw it. So how would he respond? Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So he did not divorce her publicly and disgrace her. He took her home. Next, what did he do? Verse 25. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. He wanted there to be no question about whose son this is. He wanted to be no question about whose baby boy this is. This is not his boy, but this is the son that he would raise. And so he didn't even consummate the relationship until the baby was born. Joseph's plan changed, and he changed right with it because why? Because it was God that was giving him divine direction. Why? Because God chose the man who would say yes to him at every turn to raise his son. See, the kind of men and women that God desires you and me to be are the very same kind of men and women that will say yes to God and do things his way for his purposes, no matter our plans. That his plan and his purpose for our life would trump every plan and purpose that we've ever established for our own life. That's who Joseph was. And it wasn't just because he had an interaction with God in a dream. He was a righteous man committed to doing things God's way. And God led him every step of the way. We never hear Joseph speak in the Bible. But his obedience speaks volumes. When Joseph heard that King Herod was killing babies, he took Jesus and they escaped for a couple of years. When Joseph had a chance to say yes to God at every turn in Scripture, we see him taking the right turn and saying yes to God. How can we do the same? How does God provide divine direction today? None of us will raise God's son. Joseph is the only one with that job description. But all of us have a chance every day to live that same faithful, obedient, God's purposes first kind of life. So how does God provide divine direction today? First place is this. If you're looking for divine direction in any place in your life, you're going to first, you can fill in this blank, look in his word. That's why we open it each and every time we're together as a church. It's why these words matter more than any other words that you will read in any other book in life. Because this is where we find God's divine direction for our lives. If you're looking for divine direction in any relationship, open God's word. If you're looking for divine direction in your future job pursuits, open God's word. If you're looking for divine direction and a choice you've got to make and you want godly wisdom, open his word. Some would say, Mike, I really wish that God didn't speak through his word, but instead would send me a personal angel instead. I wish that instead of telling me to do the work in his word, that God would just send me an angel. Because if God sent me an angel... I would do whatever that angel tells me to do because it would be crystal clear to me. (laughs) That makes me laugh. When we think that our problem with obedience is God's communication style, 
as opposed to our ability to hear. When we think that our problem with obedience and dependence and finding divine direction in life is based on God's choice to communicate with words instead of our inability to open his word. It makes me laugh. Because every answer we need, every question we have is addressed in the Bible. We don't need a special messenger because we have the special message of God. We don't need a special messenger on our timetable in our life because we have been given the word of God that is eternal and lasts and never comes back void. You are waiting for a special messenger and God has given you his message. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you see what Paul was writing to Timothy there? He says, these books included in the Bible, they are inspired by God. He wrote them for us to teach us. And not just to teach us in certain parts of our life, but to equip us for every good work. If you want to be good at work, you need to be working in your Bible. If you want to be good at raising kids, you need to be looking in God's Word. You want to be good at living in a healthy marriage, you've got to be digging into God's Word because it equips us for every good work in life. You want to find that spouse that you've been praying for and looking for? Work on your character before you worry about the chemistry. Look into God's Word. To be thoroughly equipped, we need to open the Bible with an open heart and an open mind that says, God, teach me. Can I also tell you there's a trick that I've found to to seeing the answers of God's word in every area of life. In fact, we can do this like no other generation before. And it's very simple. You can Google. You think I'm joking? Go home. You've got an area that you're worried about? Go home this afternoon and Google God's word on worry. And there's going to be a list of verses that come up. Back in the olden days, we would have called this a concordance. It's a way of organizing the Bible based on topics. But we don't have to have concordances today because now we have this thing called, yay God, Google. But do you realize that at the tip of your fingers, wherever you are, You have access to the subjects that you need addressed, and you have the tools you need to find the answer from God's word. What's God's word say about forgiveness? There's going to be a list of verses that come up. What's God's word say about dependence? There's going to be a list of verses that come up. It's not that we don't have the, the, the message. It's that we're not opening it, and we're not coming to it with an open mind. To be equipped by God's word, we also need to be regularly engaged in God's word, which means we're reading it regularly. One of the things that I love most about how we're doing some things differently here at the church these days is that our Next Steps gathering, one of the things that I do in that gathering, and if you want to join Parkway or learn how to take your next step in your journey with Jesus, that's your next step. Join me for dinner. It's in January. We're not going to have one in December. You know how it is. 
But one of the things that I love most about that is one of the key steps of a disciple's life is opening the Bible on their own. And reading the Bible, not when a preacher is preaching and not when a small group leader is leading, but when you are by yourself, you open the Bible. That is a key moment in a disciple's life because you're saying, God, I need your divine direction, and I believe that you can give it to me. Not through a preacher and not through a small group leader, but you can give it to me. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you can work and I can understand it. That's a key moment in a disciple's life. It's one of the things I do is I go around the room and I just ask, what do you do to engage in God's word regularly? In the number of men that say, I'm not a reader, but I can listen to God's word. And so I let God's word play when I'm driving on the way to work. And so I can listen to God's word through the Bible app as I'm going to work. I love that. What's really funny, too, is when the guy says, I'm not a reader, I'm better at listening, his wife looks at him like, you're not good at listening either, pal. But you see, there's a way to engage with God's word. And then we've got these preschool moms that are busier than busy, and they look and say, I carve out 10 minutes with a devotional in my Bible where I just prioritize it because if I'm going to lead right and love right, I need to be in the Bible. One of the things that Christy laughs at me fairly regularly on, and, and she, she's got lots of material to work with when it comes to, to laughing and when it comes to having fun with me. But one of the high points in my day every day, I've got this little thing that's a really big thing in my life. Maybe there's a song that you like to listen to and it becomes a big thing. And you're like, oh, it's a great moment. Or I don't know what your thing is, but my thing is that very first taste of a Diet Coke on ice. There is not much better in life. I mean, again, it's a little thing that becomes a big thing. But that split second is a real high point of my day. And so when she and I are out running errands and doing life together on the weekends, she'll look and say, hey, you want to go get a Coke on ice? Oh, my tail's wagging. Yes, I do. <laughs> Let's go get a Coke on ice. It's 79 cents. It's 86 cents. Multiply that by two. It's $1.94. I got $2 in my dollar, whatever it is. I got money in my pocket. I got $2. Let's roll. And so I'm walking to the car. And I reach into our, our fridge in the garage. We have a fridge in the garage that's got drinks in it. What do you think mine has? Diet Coke. So I'm on my way to get a drink. And what do I grab? I grab a drink. And she's like, aren't we going to get a drink? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be thirsty when I get there. <laughs> and so I will drink a drink on the way to get a drink. Mike, we sure are glad you don't drink beer. So am I. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> we have some real problems on our hands. When it comes to God's word, are you drinking a drink just at church or with your group? Or are you drinking a drink on the way to get your drink? Like, I don't want you coming to church thirsty for God's word like you can only drink it here. I want you to have a drink on the way to get a drink. Where personally you are reading and studying and growing because you are so thirsty as the deer panteth for the water, as your pastor panteth for Diet Coke. So my soul longeth after you, says the Lord. Are you waiting to drink until you get here? Or will you drink on the way to getting a drink? Because if you want divine direction, it comes not just from my teaching. It comes from the personal interaction that you have with God's word. Second, we're going to 
listen for his voice, and you can fill in that blank. Does God's word teach us? Yes. But does God also guide us with his voice, with the Holy Spirit in our lives? Yes. And we must learn to listen to this voice and become sensitive to what his spirit tells us. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Joseph had his course mapped out, and God came through the messenger of an angel, the message of an angel. He came and he redirected Joseph's steps and ultimately all of his life. God is the one that establishes the steps and the days of our life. And you and I must be in tune to his spirit's leading in our lives. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 22, the Apostle Paul talks about being compelled by the Holy Spirit. Acts 20, 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul was Prompted, Paul was compelled, Paul was instructed by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what would happen there, but what did he do? He went anyway. Why? Because it was God's Spirit that was telling him to do it. Friends, the Spirit of God will help us apply the Word of God and to live God's direction, to live with God's divine direction in our life. So does the Spirit of God still compel us today? Absolutely. Does the Spirit of God still speak to the heart and the mind and the lives of believers today? Yes, He does. But I want you to know this one thing. The Spirit of God will never, ever contradict the Word of God. If you think that God is telling you to do something that's outside of His Word... That is not God that's speaking to you. Because the Spirit of God will never, ever contradict the Word of God. God isn't telling you and never will tell you to do something sinful. God isn't and would never, ever to tell you to do something that's harmful to you or to others because of your sinful action. That's not from God. That's the bad pizza you had last night. It's not from God. But I know this. I know that the book of James taught us as we walked through it. That some of us need to listen to the promptings of the Spirit of God and take action now. Because God has told you to do something and you haven't done it yet. And James taught us that it's a sin to know what you should do and to not do it. Why is it that we look for God's divine direction while he's unsure if we're going to do it or not, even if he showed us what we're supposed to do? The quicker we are to be obedient, the more ready we are to hear from the Spirit of God so that we will be directed in life, like Joseph was directed in life. Last, live what you're learning. If you want divine direction, you're going to look at his word, you're going to listen to his voice, and you're going to live what you are learning. I love how Joseph sets that example. It says, when he woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I love that. I don't need to know every step of being the man who raises God's son. I just need to know the next step. I don't need to know before he's born that we're going to escape to Egypt. I just need to know the next step. I'm going to take Mary home, and I'm not going to consummate until he's born because this is God's son, no questions. I'm going to live what I'm learning. Once you start walking with the Lord by living what you're learning according to his word and according to his will through the Holy Spirit in your life, once you start living what you're learning, God will guide you to all of your hopes and dreams of desire and desires in line with this word and his will for your life. Pastor Craig Rochelle puts it this way. If you are becoming the right who, then God will tell you what to do. Hear it again. If you are becoming the right who, God will tell you what to do. So focus on what you're learning and live it. And God will establish your steps before your very eyes. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, it is possible for the word and the will of God to so change you and transform you that what comes next can, can happen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will for your life. Friends, if you're looking for divine direction, and who amongst us isn't? If you're looking for wisdom beyond yourself, and who amongst us isn't? If you're looking for a plan for the future that you can hold on to by faith, we're going to look in his word. We're going to listen to his voice. And we're going to live what we are learning so that every step of the way we can test our choices. Every step of the way we can test our decisions. Every step of the way we can test it. So that we can live the perfect, pleasing will of God for our life. And we get to do that together. When you see a nativity set and you walk by and you look at that guy, Joseph. I want you to be reminded that he was chosen to be Jesus' dad because he did things God's way for his purposes. And so can we.